Welcome to the podcast of First Baptist Church in Wilson, Oklahoma, preaching the weekly teaching and preaching ministry of the church. We are grateful that you are choosing to join us today. Our prayer is that you are blessed by today's study of God's Word, and your heart will be receptive to what God desires to teach you today. For more information about FBC Wilson, please visit our website at fbcwilson.org. We hope you enjoyed today's service, and we look forward to studying God's Word with you today. week um, I was out of town so Charles filled in for me and I'm grateful every time he does that for me Uh, so tonight we're going to pick up kind of where we left off the last several weeks Um, we have been walking through different character studies on Wednesday night looking at different both men and women and tonight we're going to be on the character of Mary so if you have a Bible um, we're going to really camp out in the gospel of Luke so Luke chapter 1 is a good place to kind of start as we think about the subject of Mary. Next week, we, Lord willing, we're going to be talking about Joseph, um, the husband of Mary. And so there's going to be some things that maybe uh, we might bring up tonight that I may say, well, let's talk. Well, we'll come back to that next week. Um, but really, when we look at these different characters, we've looked at characters from the Old Testament. We're, we're going to look at characters, especially in the New Testament. And the reason is is because not only does the Word of God instruct us on how we're to live and how we're to conduct our lives, but then we have so many examples and models from Scripture of people that have lived before us, and we get to learn how they lived and how God revealed Himself to them, how they interacted and responded to God. And there's lessons for us to learn how we are to live a Christian life today based upon the people that have come before us. So not only do we have God's Word to give us instruction and correction, but then we also have examples and models. And so we have people, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, that um, are given to us in Scripture as an example of how to live, as an example of how to be faithful, as an example of how we can trust, as an example for us to model our lives after. So you think about a place like Hebrews chapter 11 in the Hall of Faith. And as the writer of Hebrews, he's, he's highlighting these different people as the model of their faith being something that we would want to model our lives after. The same thing happens today in either the business world where you have business personalities that have come before us. So you say, I want to model my business after that person. You see it in sports where you have young people that are growing up wanting to play just like that person and be just like that person. And so the Bible does the same thing. They give us examples characters for us to be able to look to to model our lives after. So tonight we're going to look at the character of Mary. Now you get in your New Testament and you will find there are a lot of different Marys that are listed. As many as five different Marys are listed in that in that New Testament scene. So sometimes if you just see the word Mary in Scripture, you might be tempted to think Mary, 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 Mary. There's a lot of different Marys that are listed and so sometimes it takes a little bit bit of diligence, uh, do research to figure out exactly which Mary that is being referenced there in the text. So tonight, for the sake of clarity, we're going to be looking at Mary, the mother of Jesus. 
as we've looked at these different characters, um, each time we're asking three questions to kind of help guide our time in the character study. First question is, is who were they? Um, biographical information that we're asking for. The next question is, is why do we know them? Um, so what are the what are the examples or the stories that we see in Scripture? What are they noteworthy for? And then the, the last question, the third question is, is what lessons do they teach us? So not only we want to gain in knowledge about who the person is, we also want to gain in knowledge about why do we know that person? Why are they significant to us now? Somebody that lived over 2,000 years ago, why do they matter today? And then what lessons do we learn from them? So... Depending on your background, depending on your tradition, um, so like, for instance, a Steve Wilson and a Spence McConnell are going to have different backgrounds on how we view Mary, just because of our different traditions and the way we, the different ways that you might have been brought up as a child, or the different traditions that you might have learned in church. So, when it comes to Mary, the mother of Jesus. What do we know about Mary as far as who was she? And now I'm not talking about why do we know her. I'm not talking about what lessons. Just biographical information. A father, a mother, an aunt, an uncle, a son, a daughter. What do we know about who Mary was? Okay, all right. Thank you for getting us started, okay? So she was, and you'll see this in chapter 1 and 27, which is I'm sure what you're talking about. It says that she was a virgin betrothed to Joseph, right? So what does betrothed mean? Married. Married? Engaged? Engaged. Okay, so she was a virgin. So that tells us that she, um, it, 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 it is what it means, all right? So she had not um, had any kind of relationship, uh, physical, sexual, intimate relationship with a male, so she is a virgin, and she is engaged to a man named Joseph. Any ideas of how old she is? Between 12 and 16. That's a really good guess. And we don't know, because the Bible doesn't tell us how old she was in Luke chapter 1, but most people assume, based upon the context and based upon the culture, that most of the women, anywhere from 12 to 16, were getting married. Anywhere from 14 to 17 is when the young men would get married. So if we're here in the story in Luke chapter 1, and you have a young woman engaged to a man named Joseph, it is a really good, safe guess that she's probably somewhere between the ages of 12 and 16. What else do we know about her? Judean. She what? Judean. She's Judean? Yes. Meaning what? Um, line or tribe of Judah. Okay. That's that's right. She's from the tribe of Judah. Do we know where she was living? Nazareth. Nazareth, and that's a town, a city, a region, a province. What is what is Nazareth? It's a It's a town in Galilee. You probably got that from chapter 1 and 26, probably. All right? So it tells you she was uh, from the region of Galilee and the the city of Nazareth. Okay? So uh, we've talked about that. Hmm. I don't know where we would have talked about that recently, but if you think about a map and you think about um, what is modern day Israel and at the southern um, kind of south central you have the Dead Sea and then there's a river called the Jordan River that runs to the north and it runs to the Sea of Galilee and then from there uh, other, tributary, other tributaries come into that. But if you look at a modern day map, you will have those two primary bodies of water, the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea, the Jordan River connecting them to 
Um, I'm going to try to do this where it makes sense to you. To the west of the Sea of Galilee is the region, or yeah, to the west of the Sea of Galilee is the region of Galilee, and in that area to the west is the city of Nazareth. So, she's Judean, um, as far as heritage, tribal heritage, um, from the town of Nazareth in the area of Galilee. Uh, She's engaged to Joseph. She's a young woman, a virgin, is what the Bible calls her. What else do we know about Mary? Anything else? She's related to Elizabeth. She is related to Elizabeth. That is right. Now, that can cause some controversy. Because... You see this, that she is a relative of Elizabeth in chapter 1 and verse 36, right? Now, some of your Bibles is going to say relative. You all see this? In some of your Bibles, it says that a relative, Elizabeth. Does anybody have a Bible that says something different than relative? What verse? Verse 36, chapter 1 and verse 36. In my copy, it just says that, And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. Does anybody have a Bible that says something different besides relative? Cousin. Cousin. Okay. What translation is that, John? Oh, King James. The authorized King James, right? So, when the King James Committee was making their translation back in 1611, they translated that word as cousin. Now you may say, why does it matter? Well, because that has been handed down through tradition that that Mary and Elizabeth were cousins, so that made Jesus and who cousins? John the Baptist. And so it has been taught and it has been promoted that they were cousins. Now they could have been, but that word in the original language just means somebody, a member of the extended family. It could have been an aunt. It could have been a niece. It could have been a second cousin twice removed on the mother's side, third's marriage. The the, the idea of calling it a relative is the most accurate English word that we have, but back in 1611, they chose to translate it as cousin. And so in the King James, the original King James, it'll say cousin. And so sometimes your traditions, depending on how you were brought up at church, depends on how it was taught. So I'm not trying to say that uh, the King James is wrong. I'm just saying that as language changed, sometimes we can be more precise in how we describe language. And so in the original, um, the original Greek, it is a relative. So we know that she was a relative of Elizabeth. So that is important because when you think about the story of Elizabeth and Zechariah, you get that in Luke chapter 1. So that means that, yes, John the Baptist and Jesus, they were related. They were related, but sometimes there's some uh, misplaced assumptions, maybe. The what? Does it say cousin anywhere else in the Bible? Not that I, not that I saw, not that I saw, and and, I, and it may be just splitting hairs. I'm, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to discredit one versus another. I'm just wanting to show that sometimes, you know, I can be taught one thing growing up, and I just assume that's just that's the way it is until you come across something else, right? Then you kind of until you come across something else. So, um, what else do we know about? She gave birth to she gave birth to Jesus in Bethlehem. That's right. She gave birth to Jesus in Bethlehem. Did she? So we assume that she was married to Joseph. Does the Bible give us a, a marriage anywhere? 
No. We know that later on, after Jesus is born, it talks about his parents referring to them being married. But we never, as far as I could tell, we don't see anywhere given in Scripture where there was a marriage ceremony. So she was betrothed, and after the angel comes, um, there is no, there's no um, sexual intimacy between Mary and Joseph all the way up until after Jesus is born, right? And then, after Jesus is born, do Mary and Joseph have other children? Yes. How do we know this? What? <clears throat> their name. Their name? Mark. So if you were to go and see, and this is where another thing of controversy comes, because there are some there are some religious traditions that taught that Mary was a virgin throughout her entire life. That she did not have children that the and it was part of the Immaculate Conception, but it was the perpetual virginity of Mary. So they do not think that she had any other children. They may uh, so they would attribute like so. You go to Mark chapter six. Let me just read for you in Mark chapter six. Um, the people are talking about Jesus, and they say in verse three, "Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James and Joseph, Joses and Judas and Simon, and are 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 blah, 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 and are not his sisters here with us. So, gives us name of brothers and says there are sisters, plural. James, the book in the Bible towards the end of your New Testament is written by the half-brother of Jesus, the same James that is mentioned here in Mark chapter 6. And so, um, it's safe, I think it's safe for us to land on that um, Mary and Joseph had more children after the birth of Jesus. But, we don't have any account of then they had this kid and then they had this kid. And even here in Mark chapter 6, it said that Jesus had siblings. But there have been some people that have said, oh yes, but that could have been Joseph by a different wife. Does that make sense? I mean, they're... they're it still would have been biological. Correct. Correct. But there have been people that have tried to say, well, let's let's bring up other ideas and other solutions. Okay? So we know that Mary, um, we, we well, we don't know that. We assume based upon the text that she married Joseph, that they had other children. Do we know anything else about Mary biographically? Don't you think that when he said that he chooses not to put her away? They follow through with the marriage ceremony. I do. I do. I think they got married. What I what I my personal opinion is is that the focus of the story is not Mary. The focus of the story is not Joseph. The focus of the story is not their marriage. The focus of the story is Jesus. So in highlighting who Jesus is, they'll bring in the characters that were involved. But I think the reason why they don't talk about the marriage ceremony, because that wasn't the point of the story. And I think it, it, it stays focused on the point of the story. So she's chosen by God. Yes. To conceive Jesus. Yes. Through the Holy Spirit. Yes. Yes. For me, one of the most important things too is not only is she kind of a of Judah, she's actually in the line of David. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. So in 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 animal genetic terms, she's they're double bred. <laughs> Right? Line bread. Line bread. But I mean, they're, they're, yes. Unless it's bad, then it's different. <laughs> right. There's, yes, ma'am. There is a verse, Matthew, 
1.24 that says, When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. There's something Yeah, it just, we don't see this, we don't see like a ceremony. So, we, I, don't, I don't have an issue. Sometimes I bring this stuff up because... If I knew the commentaries you were reading, that I could anticipate maybe things that you're reading. But nowadays with a computer and nowadays with the interweb, you can find all kinds of different ideas about things. I mean, if you can find whole websites about how birds aren't real, I mean, you can find a lot of different ideas about Scripture. And as many different ideas as you might conceive of, there's someone that has written a blog post or an article talking about different things. And so you can find articles that would call into question, one, the virginity of Mary to begin with, because if you go back to Isaiah, when it talks about the virgin shall conceive, back in Isaiah, the Hebrew word can also be translated as maiden, which just means a young woman. So there have been people that have argued that she was not a virgin, she was just a young woman. So they've questioned the, the, the virgin birth. I mean, there's just a lot of people with a lot of different ideas. And sometimes it comes down to if you can bring up a new wrinkle that someone hasn't thought of, then you can publish it and potentially make money off of it. And so there is motivation in trying to find a new wrinkle that someone hasn't brought up before. Even if it is cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, it doesn't matter. They will still bring some of that stuff up. So sometimes I bring this up just to prepare you. If you see this or read this, um, don't be surprised and don't be like, oh, well, why didn't Spence talk about that? Because there's a, there's a lot of different angles that are there. So, virgin means what it means. Engaged, betrothed to Joseph during the time of Jesus, during the time of the, the conception of Jesus. After the birth of Jesus, we believe that they got married, had more children. We know where she was from. She was a relative of Elizabeth. We see that in Luke chapter 1. She was the wife of Joseph. Um, we talk about the mother of Jesus. We talk about that she was a mother to other children. Anything else that we know about Mary biographically? Okay. You considered, you heard me mention women amongst women. That amongst women she is great. Right words. Where, where, where are you, like, you have a certain spot you're thinking about? I don't know. Patriarch. Is that the right word? Matriarch. 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 Yes. So, what would be what would be some reasons why we know? I mean, obvious one. She is the mother of Jesus. That, that, that's a pretty that's a pretty prestigious group right there. There's not a lot of people on that list. Okay. So, what about her being the mother of Jesus? You know, we call it the immaculate conception, right? So, the idea. The theory, uh, what we believe the Bible teaches is that there was not what we think of as the traditional um, means of reproduction. It was a supernatural conception by the Holy Spirit. Now that takes, to be honest, that takes a certain amount of leap of faith to believe that happened. Because if you know your biology, you know that you have to have both sides of the genetic input to create the child. You know that you need both pieces, both 
two keys to the puzzle. And you know those things are needed. And so there have been a lot of people throughout the course of time that have questioned, well, how in the world could that happen? And so they go biologically and they try to question and they try to call into doubt and they try to say, well, that could not happen and that is not possible. Let me encourage you. If you can take by faith the fact that God created Adam out of dirt... And if you take by faith that he reached into the side of Adam, pulled out a rib bone, and all of you women are fashioned after a rib bone, and you don't have a problem believing that. And furthermore than that, you don't have a problem believing that Jesus could die for your sins and all the bad stuff you've done, all the shenanigans you pull, all the things that you've been party to, all those things could be forgiven if you just believe and ask to be forgiven of your sins. If you don't have a problem accepting all of those things by faith, then why is it such a big stretch to believe that God could supernaturally conceive a child with a woman? Yes, ma'am. He said with God, all things are possible. That's right. All things are possible. So you see this pictured in um, chapter 1 and verse 35 of the Gospel of Luke. It said, the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. The idea that the angel, this is Gabriel talking, and he says, this is what's going to happen. You are going to become pregnant. It's never happened before. Won't happen ever again. You will not be able to explain it. Science will not be able to explain it. The only explanation is God. Now, theologically, religiously, salvation-wise, why is this such a big deal? The Immaculate Conception. Because it made Jesus holy. Yes. Yes. So sin entered the world through Adam. This is Romans chapter 5. Sin entered the world. It was carried through the reproduction of humanity. In order to be the perfect, sinless sacrifice, you had to have a human that did not inherit the sinful nature through the lineage of Adam. If you had taken a child conceived by both Joseph and Mary, that child would have had the inherent sinful nature in it and therefore could not be the sinless, blameless, perfect Lamb of God. The only way that Christ could take the place of my sin and your sin and to pay that price, to be that atonement, or the Bible talks about the propitiation, to be that sacrifice means he had to be sinless and blameless. And the only way that could happen is is for him not to have that sinful nature passed down through the line of Adam. So, if you do not have an immaculate conception and all this time it has been Joseph and Mary in a biological strain then that means that Jesus would not have been a satisfactory sacrifice for our sins so if you find someone that says we don't think that 
she was a virgin. We don't think that she conceived through a supernatural act of the Holy Spirit. We don't think any of that. Then they are also undermining the very means that their salvation is based upon. Some people think, Spence, you're you're making a bigger deal than it has to be. It is all of the big deal. My salvation rests upon the sacrifice of Jesus. And Romans 3 tells us that God was not only the judge, but He was also the justifier. So if that sacrifice was not sufficient and did not meet the demands of God, then I am on the hook for my sin and I am in trouble. Does that make sense? So the Immaculate Conception is a big deal. So we think about Mary, we think about, well, why do we know her? Well, we realize that we tell, it tells us right there in Luke chapter 1 that she conceived in a way that, quite honestly, none of us in this room can understand. And that's fine. We don't have to understand. There's a lot of things that we do not understand that are what they are. So, one of the reasons why we know who she is is the Immaculate Conception and what that means for us in salvation history. What's another reason why we know about her? She got to be the first a few times. She did. She got to be the first. Like what? Give me an example. The first miracle. First miracle? First one to see him out of two. Yes. So I'm sure there's more. Those are the two that came to my mind. Like, she's this miraculous conception. Like, she keeps being the first one to witness what he does and I just think that's just I don't know I just think how great God is to give her as his mother right those opportunities right I think it's cool the I, I put down here not only you have the immaculate conception you have the miraculous birth so I've been blessed to be at the birth of six children thus far I don't I don't think there's a single one of them that I'd want to do by myself. Okay? So, when you think about the story of Joseph and Mary, and this is uh, uh, Luke chapter 2, you've got Joseph, and let's, let's say conservatively he is all of 16 or 17 years old. And you've got Mary, and she's all of 14 or 15 years old. They have traveled down to Bethlehem, and if you know your geography, it's not a suburb of Nazareth. Alright? So, where he grew up at, and where she grew up at, is up here, geographically speaking. They have traveled past the Sea of Galilee, and they are now almost down to the the, uh, Dead Sea in the town of Bethlehem. They are miles and miles away from their home country. They had to go down there because he had to register as part of the census that was taking place. Now, when you get to the story in Luke chapter 2, it says that they're traveling by donkey. It doesn't give us any indication that anybody else was with them. And on their way, she's like, it's time to have a kid. And if you watch the Chosen episode about this, you might have a preconceived notion about this. But what the text gives us is they end up being in a, a barn. Okay? And this is not like some of the big old fancy barns that we think of. It was a lean-to, a shed, and you've got 16, 17-year-old guy, 14, 15-year-old girl, and the Bible doesn't say there's anybody else with them, and she lays down and has a kid. I think that is very 
miraculous that all of that transpired. I could honestly tell you, at the age of 16, I could pull a calf. I was, I was proficient at that. I could pull baby pigs. I could pull lambs. I could do those things. But if you said, hey, Spence, go sit down with this 15-year-old woman that you're engaged to and help her birth a child, I'd have been like, not qualified. I'm out. Right? Right? And then you think about that. Like they're in a they're in a shed. They're, they're in a makeshift barn, if you will. It may have just been a dug, dug out in the side of a, 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 a embankment, if you will. We really don't have an idea, but it's like they don't have the modern technologies we have. None of that. They're out there and they're having a kid. Everybody's safe. Everybody's healthy. Everybody lived. <laughs> I think it's miraculous. I think it's the miraculous that um, I think it's a God thing that there is a woman and there is a husband that had the intelligence and they had the knowledge and they had the blessing and the favor of God to go in there. Because <coughs> it says right there, um, uh, chapter 2 and verse 6, And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloth and laid him in the manger because there was no place for them in the end. And I think to myself, you got a young man and a young woman in a barn. No drugs. No modern technology. I can't I haven't ever seen a birth naturally. I know what they look like with drugs. I just can't imagine. I can't imagine all of the things that go on with that. So I think one of the reasons why we know about Mary is her immaculate conception, her miraculous birth. Boy, that's an image of total and being a totally uncomfortable. Yes, because like, I, I, some of you may not have seen it. If you, you had, you need to. Um, the chosen episode where it shows the birth. I mean, it shows her laying down, you know, and she starts the contraction, she starts pushing, and then all of a sudden it skips to the baby's born, and they're just all smiling. <laughs> I'm like, I, there's 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 stuff that happens in between there. <laughs> I know there's stuff that happens in between those two. You know, by the time the, the, the labor starts and the smiles come around. I mean, there's there's a there's a period of time <laughs> that takes place. But yeah. Yes, ma'am. The compassion that Joseph has knowing that this woman is giving birth to not his child is amazing. Yes. 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 I, have, I have read that her that his birth was supposed to be famous. And and there have been people that have speculated that that because that she because he was Jesus and because he was perfect so the son of God wouldn't be there because the seed of man wasn't there. Kind of. Except for except for the curses still Except for the curses on the woman. And in Genesis 3, God says the curse of the woman will be pain and childbirth. Now, I've read that, Anthony, about that because it was Jesus and that it was a, a painless birth. The Bible doesn't say whether it was or it wasn't. I mean, there's assumptions that people will make, and, and, and so I know that's there. Um, but some people have followed that line because he was sinless, therefore you didn't have the effect of sin. And then some people have said, well, that doesn't cover because if you have Genesis 3, the curse was on the woman, and she was... She had that that sinful nature, and so that kind of takes your eye off the of Christ, right there. Yes, and and I, I know I'm speaking way out of my depth right now. Even if it was a painless childbirth, that's not something they show you in grade school. <laughs> I mean, that even if it was completely 
ever watching a child being born that's but different in that time a lot of those births would have happened at home she probably, I mean you witnessed a lot more in my mind maybe not you witnessed that more often more frequently so unlike 15 and 16 year olds of today who would be like what did you just what it was more common knowledge to them I feel like maybe I, I just I, I think it's I think sometimes we just skip over that Christmas time comes we talk about that and we're like ho hum everybody knows what everybody knows and we take it for granted and I think sometimes we just zoom past the idea of what that must have been like in that barn that night the two of them that I think sometimes we don't spend enough time thinking about just what a miracle that is that Jesus was born at all. There's another one I want to, I want you to see, and, uh, and and Denise alluded to this in John chapter two. So if you're there in Luke, uh, fast forward to the right to John chapter two because there's some other reasons why we know about Mary. One of the reasons is because um, not only did she raise Jesus, um, and that we'll, we'll talk about this next week as far as Joseph, as far as how long he was on the scene. There are speculations um, about maybe he died during the childhood of Jesus, maybe he didn't. There's, there's, there's different opinions out there about that because when you get there to John chapter 2 and you see the adult life of Jesus, Joseph is never brought into the picture. But when we come to the idea of Mary, which is who we're studying tonight, she was there. Not only was she there at the beginning of the birth of Jesus, and she was there at the beginning of his life, she was there when the wise men came and presented their gifts. She uh, took him there to the temple, all of those things. She raised him, and now it is when he begins his earthly ministry, she is there again. So if you go there to John chapter 2, Verse 2, it says, Jesus was also invited to the wedding with his disciples. And when the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus, this would be Mary, said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not come yet. And his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. The story goes on from there. They take the the six stone jar water pots, fill them up with water. Turns the water into wine, actual wine, fermented, alcoholic wine. Wine and the miracle. And that was like the coming out, the beginning of the earthly ministry of Jesus. And so not only is she there at the beginning of his birth, she's also there at the beginning of his ministry. And she was um, instrumental. And she was a big part of the beginning of his ministry. Fast forward from John chapter 2 to John 19. And we also see Mary on the scene, but the circumstances are very, very different. Verse 23 says the soldiers, when the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts. One part for each shoulder, also soldier, also his tunic. But the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said to one another, let's not tear it, but cast lots to see who shall it be. This was to fill the scripture which says, they divided my garments among them and for my clothing they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things. Verse 25. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus saw his mother, the disciple, and the disciple, 
disciple whom he loved, standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour the disciple took her to his own house. So not only was Mary there when the angels said that she would conceive him, she was obviously there when she conceived him. She was there when she gave birth to him. She was there as she raised him up in his his childhood, his, 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 his single years, his teenage years, his young adult years. She was there when his earthly ministry began, and she was there when he died. All throughout the story of Jesus, we see... Mary, the mother of Jesus, present in the life of Jesus. Was she there with him throughout the ministry? At different times. At different times. You see her coming into the story. Um, again, you go to the you go to the TV series Chosen. Yeah. It could have. The Bible doesn't say that she wasn't. Well, there's was one other time I can't remember exactly where it's at. It's in one of the Gospels that somebody came to him and he was at a house preaching. And say, if your mother and brothers are outside, well, who's my mother and brothers besides those who do the will of God? Yes, and that's in the Gospel of Matthew where the family comes because they're like, hey, he's he's acting weird. Um, so there's there's pictures that you might be able to piece together to say that she traveled with him during his earthly ministry, but it doesn't say that she did that. So I want to stop. I want to stop short of saying yes or no. She could have. She might have not. She may have stayed there in the region of Galilee um, because Nazareth is in Galilee. Capernaum, which is where Jesus settled when he began his earthly ministry. Talks about that in the Gospel of Mark that he settled in Capernaum. Um, So all of that's right there in the same region. So it might have been when he came back um, on on his earthly ministry. When he came back in, she was there. Had some family time. He would leave out and do some itinerant ministry and he would come back. Um, it, it doesn't say yes or no. Yes, sir? I think there's practicality in play. Looking at my own life, fairly average family, I know that there were times when I was definitely not on my dad's radar. <laughs> he had no idea and he didn't care where I was or what I was doing. But I was never beyond my mother's radar. Right. I, I think this emphasizes that reality. Yes. Yes. And, and again, I, I think you know your John nineteen. I think we we hurry past that moment of the mother looking at her son on the cross. We have a very sterile imagery of the cross because when we see the crucifixions or we see the artwork depicted um, you rarely ever see the horror the blood the brutality the inhumane treatment you don't see the full tragicness of crucifixion And so you're the mother and you are looking at your son. That would be horrific. And I think sometimes we we too quickly just move on because we don't have any, honestly, we don't have anything to relate it to. We have no way to try to uh, make that connection because we've never been in that situation before. I think it causes confusion for her because all of what she knew before 
Yes. And witnessed. And she said, well, well, what now? Yes. Yes. She wasn't the first one to see the tomb. Well, Mary Magdalene was there. And the different Gospels give us different, different timings. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right, so I'm going I'm, So then what lessons? What are some lessons that you may think of that Mary gives us? God, no what. How to find peace. The what? How to find peace. How to find peace. Okay. So you go back to Luke chapter 1, and there's a phrase that sticks out to me that uh, really, really gives me question to myself. You go back to chapter, chapter 1 in Luke. <laughs> Gabriel is speaking. He said to Mary, this is what's going to happen. Mary's like, how's this going to happen? Uh, He says, verse 36, then verse 37, Gabriel finishes up and he says, for nothing will be impossible with God. Then verse 38, and Mary said. So Gabriel just said, this is what God's going to do. And she's like, how is this going to happen? He said, this is how it's going to happen. Nothing is impossible for God. And she said, behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So she had just been told at all of maybe 14, 13, 14 years old that she was going to be the mother of the Messiah. She was going to, she was going to become pregnant with child. This is what the child was going to do. Everything going on. All of this had been downloaded into her mind. You can imagine her her mind is just rolling like, I don't understand what's going to happen. I don't understand what's going to work. But then as soon as the angel gets done, what does she do? Let it be according to your word. Almost like this submissive faith saying, I don't understand how this is all going to work out. I don't understand how it is all going to come together. I do not understand how I am going to play the part that I've been asked to play. I don't understand how God is going to bring all this stuff about. I don't know. I can't tell you what's going to happen a week from now, a month from now, a year from now, 10 years from now. But what I can tell you is God does, and I will submit to whatever God has for me to do. That's a lesson for me. Because so many times, I want to say, God, I'll be obedient as long as I know all the steps. Right? Right? So that's the idea. God, I'll be obedient, but I need to know where this thing is going. And sometimes God says, no, you don't. You need to know what the next step is. You know what the next step is. You do the next step. And then I'll show you the next step. And then I'll show you the next step. And then I'll show you the next step. Sometimes you just got to be willing to say, I'm going to be obedient to whatever God has for me. And I'm just going to give God the yes before I know the what. And I think that's huge. I think that's huge in our day and age because we have so many people that say, you know what? I'll be obedient as long as I know what I'm being obedient to. You never hear Mary use the word I. Correct. But her attitude is just, I'm willing to submit to God. Whatever God tells me to do, I'm going to do it. God says do it. The answer is already yes and amen. You see that right there in verse 38. You see that submissive faith of Mary that just says, that's a lot. That is a lot to take in. Especially considering that the angel, Gabriel, is talking to Mary. Um, We have 
zero indication that Mary had ever talked to an angel before. Right? It's been 450 years since Malachi. There's been 450 years of silence on behalf of God. And then all of a sudden, God decides to speak through an angel to Mary and says, you're going to be the bearer of the Messiah. She had probably been taught, but as a young girl, she didn't have the Jewish teaching and the Jewish tradition that the men, the boys did. So she wasn't steeped in the Old Testament Theology. Yes, the Old Testament theology, the Old Testament education. So she probably knew that, hey, someday this Messiah is coming, but all of a sudden, poof, here it is. She said, I'm here. I'll do whatever. There's one more aspect that I want to I want I want to touch on. Do what? She did not have to know it all. She was willing to say, yes, I'll submit, even before she knew what all she was submitting to. But there's another aspect that I think sometimes we miss, and that would be her devotion. So in chapter 1 and verse 19, no. Chapter 2 and verse 19. She's had she's had Jesus the angels have come and announced the birth of the Messiah. It says in chapter 2 and verse 19, But measured, Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Verse 22, And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Then you go on, you verse C in verse 39, where they come and they perform and they submit Jesus to the law of the Lord. Then verse 41, they're going to Jerusalem every year for the feast of the Passover. In verse 51, they are parenting and he returns and submits himself to the leadership of his parents. What do all these things point me to? Here's what I think about. I think about Mary and Joseph. She has been told by the angel angel she's going to conceive. Joseph has been told in a different dream that this is of God. Don't worry. Take her to be your wife. The problem is, is that his parents, her parents, all of their families, all of their friends, they didn't get that same message. So, all along, you've got Mary and Joseph going down there. She is starting to show. Now they have a baby in Bethlehem. Now they're raising this child. It says elsewhere in the Gospels that people were speaking about Jesus as being the son of the carpenter, almost like an illegitimate child. Can you just imagine all of the rumors and all of the gossip and all of the talking behind their back and and all of the conversations that went on about I wonder who the daddy is. I wonder if Joseph knows who the daddy is. Why is Joseph doing this? How could Mary have done this? And it didn't matter if Joseph and Mary said, well, an angel told us. They'd be like, I bet you he did. Yeah, sure, buddy. Yeah, go right ahead. And then they all of a sudden they come in. Okay? So the eighth day, they got to bring Jesus into the temple to be circumcised under the Jewish tradition. They come in and they say, okay, what was the birth of the, what was the date of the birth of the child? December 25th. Great. All right. Well, for our records, when was your wedding? December 24th. <laughs> December 24th. And you can just imagine people at the temple going, yeah, yeah, illegitimate, out of wedlock, even if it was Mary's and Joseph, they had it in a uh, immoral, they had it in a sinful type of scenario, in a sinful type of relationship. And yet Mary and Joseph said, you know what? 
we're still going to be faithful to the Lord. This persevering devotion is what I wrote down. This idea that it wasn't dependent upon the opinion of people. They were still going to be faithful to God. So you had Mary and Joseph. The Bible doesn't tell us about the snickers and the laughs and the, and the innuendos and the, and the gossip channels. It doesn't tell us. But we can just assume and infer by what we know about humanity about what would be said. And how it would be said. And then you can imagine them showing up at the temple year after year after year with Jesus. And every time they show up, can you just imagine people reminding them, Oh yeah, there's that couple that supposedly have given birth to the Messiah. Ha ha ha. And they had a child out of wedlock and that was their excuse. Ha ha. Can you imagine for years and years and years being that couple? So his crucifixion started at his birth, basically. I guess crucifixion in the word. Um, Ridicule? Yeah, maybe. There's another word. Um, but uh, it just didn't start when he started ministering. It started from time he was. I think the opposition, and I think the challenging, and I think the um, cynicalness of who he was, I think it started at the very beginning. Now, I don't have a chapter and verse that talks about the gossiping, but I just think, you know, sometimes how easy it is for you and I to get discouraged in our walk with the Lord based upon the snickers and the opinions and the attitudes of people around us. Can you just imagine how quickly you and I are influenced and taken off the path by just the opinion of man. And then you read all throughout Luke chapter 1 and Luke chapter 2 and how they continue to be faithful in their Jewish traditions. They continue to be faithful in their obedience and observing the festivals and observing the the, the rituals and observing uh, the, the times they were supposed to go to Jerusalem. They did all this stuff. And all through this time, from the time that she conceived all the way till when Jesus turned water into wine, everything up to them, I don't care what the Gospel of Thomas and the Apocrypha says, there was nothing that you or I or Andrew or Hurley could have looked at and said, yeah, that's the Messiah. There was nothing. Ordinary kid. Living an ordinary life. Working in the carpenter shop of his dad. And yet, the perseverance they had to be faithful and obedience. Obedient and to do the things that God had called them to do. Thank you for joining us today at FBC Wellston. We would love to hear from you or connect with you if you will visit our website at fbcwellston.org. Please let us know if we can serve you in any way, and we look forward to connecting with you in the future.